This is The Current Buzz, powered by Oklahoma Electric Cooperative. I'm your host, Autumn McMahon. This podcast is dedicated to helping you learn more about our industry, communities, and the ways we serve them. We all know that we're stronger when we work together. But did you know that mere pennies can change the lives of the people we live with? Learn more today. And welcome to another episode of The Current Buzz. I am thrilled to be here today with Alan Davenport, who is the president of the Operation Roundup, which is part of the OEC Foundation, and Tori Tedder Laughlin. Welcome to both of you. Thank you very much. Good morning. Alan, I want to start with you and just get to know you a little bit. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your tenure here on the ORU board. Okay, I've lived in and around Newcastle since uh, 1981. I've uh, served in a lot of different ways in the community here, including uh, one time a city council member. Uh, I was asked a little over three years ago, I'm well pushing four years ago, to join this board. And uh, it's, been, it's been an adventure for sure since then. Uh, it was odd when I joined, everybody on the board had 20 something years of experience on it. and. Little by little, they've all uh, retired and moved on to something else with the exception of, uh, I think there's two people now that have seniority over me on the board. Um, but it's, it's an adventure, it's fun, and it's rewarding. Sometimes you, it's frustrating, and sometimes it's just uh, exhilarating, but I've enjoyed it. Well, and you've been a huge asset to the board. Tori, I wanna pivot to you a little bit, and being the history buff that you are, tell us a little bit about the OEC Foundation, specifically how that relates to Operation Roundup and what that is that we have here at OEC. Absolutely. So Operation Roundup is a program started in electric cooperatives. There is a cooperative out in uh, Palmetto Electric Cooperative in South Carolina began the program and co-ops across the nation very quickly adopted it and it is designed specifically for co-ops as a way to fund doing good in the communities they live in and serve. And so we started our program back in 1993. Our previous CFO, Charles Barton, spearheaded the effort. We have a lot um, that we owe him for, for, for this program. And we have one member on the board that was part of that original group that decided how the program would be arranged. Every co-op can imagine the program differently. Um, but Vivian Gibson is in, in her uh, uh, 27th year um, being on the board, something like that. It's been a long time. Um, and uh, Bob Estry was one of the original board members for the OEC Foundation. He now serves as an ORU, I mean, as an OEC trustee. So we have a lot to owe him for, um, but, but, it, but it was designed as a way to give back to our community. So what it, what it, how it works is our members round up their bills every month and that small change from one cent to 99 cents goes into a fund that is specifically earmarked to help people or organizations in our community. None of those funds go back to OEC. Um, they can't be used to pay off any, any OEC expenses. It all goes into the community. 
And we, or the founders, selected six areas of focus, and that is medical, food, clothing, housing, youth and educational, and community assistance. And those are the six areas in which the board will help fund. And they have surpassed $5 million in gifts and grants to the community. We surpassed that number back in 2019. It really is so remarkable. To me, it underscores what is best about us in America is that when we come together and we work together as one, each one of our individual contributions may not be that substantial. As you said, somewhere between one cent and 99 cents a month. But when you combine the collective, you pull all the members together, that amounts to eighteen dollars to $20,000 a month that we are able absolutely. to give back to the community. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. It's one of my favorite things that we do here at OEC. It's really impressive. We have about 87% of the members that participate. Um, it's, it's really impressive. It goes back to, to uh, people want to help out their communities. And that we're stronger when we work together, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to take one step back, and then I want to come back to you, Alan. But, Tori, how do people get onto the board? I know we have nine mm -hmm. board members and one member at large. How do you become appointed to a board position on, on the ORU board? So the OEC Foundation, like you said, has, has nine positions. Each one of those positions represents one of our nine districts. And so our OEC Board of Trustees, each one of those trustees nominate or appoints a member to the Operation Roundup Board. And so, um, Alan, who is your representative? Ronnie, Ronnie Grover. Ronnie Grover. So District Alan four. represents Newcastle in District 4. Um, and so he was selected because he understands his community. He's involved in Newcastle. If we are looking at applications around Newcastle in that area, we know that Alan's a great representative because he knows the people, he knows the town, he knows what's needed in the community and he can be a good resource. And so it is the OEC Board of Trustees that nominates them. They do not have to be members of OEC. And um, the important thing is that they know their community and the area that they represent. You also don't have to be a member to receive an Operation Roundup grant. That's important. Um, the founders of the program decided not to make it specifically for only co-op members because we live, because we don't live in a bubble. We live in neighborhoods, we live in towns, we live in communities, and we are not all co-op members, although we would love everybody to be a co-op member, of course. But it's all about helping the community regardless of where you get your power. Alan, let's go back in time a little bit and think before we were in a global pandemic, what is a normal item or a normal request that we get for the ORU board? Well, it breaks down into two categories, really, individual and organizational. Um, a lot of communities, especially the smaller communities, uh, fire departments, volunteer fire departments, they may need a particular uh, item to enhance their, their performance. Radios, for instance, some I mean, firemen have to communicate. Uh, a small community sometimes cannot afford $3,000 for a new communication systems. And we can help them with stuff like that. Then there's the individual who, bless their heart, sometimes are, are down on their luck and have uh, 
teeth is one of the real big things that come across for us are our uh, dental issues. And we're able to help people with that a lot. I know of several individuals who uh, I've seen after the fact who were able to acquire dentures through our program. And it just made their world 100% better. Uh, again, my favorite is the organizational because if I give Total Fire Department a, uh, or I say we give Total Fire Department a, a grant of X amount of dollars, they buy a piece of equipment. Who knows that someday I'm going through Tuttle and I may need, they may need that for me. Uh, it just makes the whole area better. Just plain and simple. This, this makes the whole area better. Alan, you have a really great story um, illustrating your point about a water rescue equipment. You want to tell that? Yes. Yeah, that one's um, one of the first ones that I've dealt with. When I first came on board, I was looking around at different things that was happening in other communities. And I went to our fire department and asked them, and they knew of a, they had a situation where they had some uh, antiquated at best swift water rescue equipment and the funny part when we were discussing this including when they put the grant out the south canadian river was you know it was during the summer it was dry it needed you know you could walk across it and not get wet that type deal but they applied for some fresh water or some swift water rescue equipment and it was approved in the following, you know, six months later, whatever the river gets up, it's rolling. And uh, some guy, uh, I don't know how, but got himself in the middle of the river. He was uh, hanging on to a brush pile and a log in that brush pile. Uh, water was running. Somebody saw him by, the, by pure luck. Uh, Newcastle Fire Department responded. Using the equipment, they were able to save the guy. Had they not had that equipment, chances are he would not be uh, would not have been rescued. It was that big of a difference in that guy's life. Uh, it was uh, very, uh, uh, very obvious that the equipment was needed and the equipment, uh, along with the men, saved his life. Uh, also got one for the police department in Newcastle when uh, they requested some flashlights, which I thought was, well, not that important. Let's put it that way. We comes to find out shortly after they got them, there was an accident right on a, a real dark spot on I-44. Uh, no street lights, no buildings, no nothing. Just very dark, right just south of the Canadian River Bridge. Fortunately, they had these extra strong super flashlights and they were able to uh, direct traffic. They were able to uh, secure the scene they were able to uh, investigate the scene all because of these flashlights. Had they not had them, there's a uh, potential that somebody else could have got hurt because of the pure darkness of the area they were working in. So these are the kind of things that just enhance people's communities. And that's the kind of stuff I like to do. I felt the same way about those flashlights. I didn't get it. I mean, it's a flashlight. Yeah, but flashlights. Yeah, but the range that they have, the, the strength that they have made such a difference that people's mm -hmm. lives were, were saved. And so we, the OEC Foundation, they trust our first responders. 
to request what they need. And if you think about it, $3,000 went towards that water rescue equipment and someone's life was changed. Yes. Someone's I mean, life some was saved. saved. Was saved. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing what all that small change can do and what an impact it can make. Absolutely. Investing in the entities that really support our communities, the fire departments, especially, Alan, as you said, the, the volunteer fire departments, the police departments, areas that can really not just help that one person, but help the entire community. And I think, obviously, everybody wins with that. Alan, you mentioned the assistance we do for individuals when it comes to dental work, because that can be so expensive. We also have a pretty impressive partnership with Mobile Smiles. Can you and Tori speak to that a little bit? Well, this is kind of Tori's uh, uh, baby. She loves Mobile Smiles, and she's uh, in touch with them very well. They, uh, I dealt with them, I guess it's been a year now, than when they first came to Newcastle and set up a, uh, a spot three days at the Newcastle Christian Church. And as it turned out, we shoveled people through there. There were some kids that had never seen a dentist, some young kids that had never seen a dentist, and they actually got their teeth cleaned. Uh, single mom, two kids, that kind of scenario. There was uh, some older people who had just real, real nasty teeth, and they were able to pull those. And uh, it was it was the first time I got in touch with Mobile Smiles and could see what difference it made in in these people's life. And we ran twenty something through there uh, during those three days. Twenty four people, I think, through there during three days, and. Uh, it was a very impressive organization for Mobile Smiles, and it was very handy, very convenient, very uh, uplifting for the patients that went through there. The reason we do a lot of dental and eyeglasses, we do a lot of eyeglasses too, um, those are two areas that often insurance um, lacks co coverage in. A lot of people do not have medical coverage for dental and eyeglasses. In fact, unless um, you're a kid on Sooner Care or, or, on, the, or on, on the state insurance, um, most adults do not have coverage unless you can pay for it privately. So we do a lot of medical um, support, um, about 40,000 in, in uh, 2019. Um, we spent towards medical. Um, what we like about Mobile Smiles is it is partially funded by the Oklahoma Dental Association, uh, partially funded by Delta Dental, and then we are another supporter of it. And the it's, it's not just the fact that they can get a number of people through there. Um, there is a there is a, a fiscal responsibility level to this. Um, it is one thousand dollars to host a mobile smiles unit. It can get ten people through there a day, and we're talking about people. A lot of people need extractions to get dentures, and that really affects overall health of an individual it doesn't just affect their outlook and how they are received by other people which that's a huge thing as well but it felt it affects their nutrition um, and an extraction of one tooth can cost anywhere from um, sixty dollars to hundred and fifty dollars for one tooth 
a normal person without insurance has a really hard time affording that. Um, and that means that their health is impacted and it continues to be impacted. And so Mobile Smiles, being able to host a Mobile Smiles and get 10 people through there to be able to get cleanings, to get fillings, to get extractions, it, it makes a bigger impact on our communities than we can imagine. That person can now not only eat, which is, we can all agree, a wonderful thing, but they can go back to work. They can face the community. They, they can um, participate better when they have good teeth. Absolutely, it's, it's a remarkable partnership. And Alan, you even mentioned kids being able to have their teeth clean that affects the, the health of their heart, the health of their lungs. I mean, you think everything is coming in through your mouth. It's not just, to, to Tori's point and to your point, it's not just aesthetic. It is literally the health of that individual. One of the things, again, pivoting again, that we've been able to do recently in response to COVID is literally meet those immediate needs of people who have been affected directly by, by this COVID-19 pandemic and crisis. Alan, how has that worked out? Well, the, uh, not well, I guess. I, well, I, we've dealt with it. Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm not happy with, uh, with the way we have to do stuff, I guess. And I don't know if I'm saying it right. I understand the way we have to do things with considering COVID. It's just, it's slowing us down. Mobile Smiles is shut down. Other things are shut down. Some of our partners that we dealt with are not able to do what they normally do. So we're not able to do what we normally do. Um, we ran across a couple of situations last night in our, our uh, meeting that had Mobile Smiles been up and running, it would have solved our issue right off the bat. But because of COVID, we're shut down. So we're, we're having a hard time working around COVID, I guess is a good way of saying it. Um, it's, it's causing issues and um, we're doing what we can, but it's, man, I wish it'd go away. And unfortunately, we don't have a ETA on when Mobile Smiles will be back up and running. Um, I, part of it is that dentists donate their time, medical students donate their time to Mobile Smiles. That's how they can keep costs down. And you have to think that a lot of these dentists, they had their office closed for several months. So they lost revenue, which makes it more difficult for them to turn around and donate their time and skill to something like Mobile Smiles because they have office staff to pay. They have, they have uh, their own practices to run. And a lot of our nonprofits and social agencies are going through that right now. They've had, they still need to serve the people in need, but they have had to cut back because they don't have, um, staff hasn't been able to come in or people have been sick um, and more people are needing because they haven't had income. And it's, it's, it's a catch 22, a rolling circle that we hope will we'll be able to come out of in the next few months, but it's not, it's not, it's really difficult right now for a lot of our agencies. And of course it's difficult for individuals who are already in need. Operation Roundup does not, is not allowed to help with utility bills and that sort of thing. So we refer people to the COVID-19 response of the United Way of Norman. 
What, so if someone is listening to this and they think this is an incredible mission, but I'm not an OEC member or I am an OEC member and I can afford to give more than 99 cents a month, how can people get involved and give a little bit more or round up what they're giving? Absolutely. We have a new program called ORU Plus. And if you look in the OEC uh, magazine, the co-op news, next month, you'll be able to see a ad for that. Um, and what that is, is members. I'll take over. Members who want to give a little more can. So if you want to round it up from to the next dollar, if you want to throw in an extra $5, an extra whatever, you can do that. The, um, the, the thing I want to say about this program period is the board members who spend the money are very, very, very conscious of spending it wisely. We do not randomly throw money at nothing. Uh, you talked about, you know, there's nine of us from nine different districts. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm in there pushing for Newcastle Fire Department to get more stuff and I'm fighting against the other guy from Tuttle or the, you know, Amber Fire Department. It's not like that at all. Uh, we generally will look at a, a request that's in our area because chances are we know it better. But that does not mean that I can't go to Little Axe if I want to and investigate a, uh, or ask about a request coming from there. Uh, again, we, we're diversified in our knowledge. Each member has strong knowledge in some particular something. And it comes in handy when I can call one of my fellow workers or fellow board members and say, hey, what, what does this make sense over here? And that's what I want to, I want to emphasize that the board members spend the money wisely and the best that we can. So do not be afraid to throw an extra dollar a month in there. You know, $12. And, I, and, and I will say that Alan has been a fantastic leader of the board. He's been president for one and a half years now. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And he's been very, very active. He has gone to people's homes in Little Axe to look at their roof or, or look at their, their um, AC condition. Um, he's, he really investigates the applications as do most of our board members. They are very, very active in following up, calling references, looking into the requests. As for the ORU Plus, keep in mind also that this is a charitable giving. Um, every December on your OEC bill, you will see a statement showing how much you have donated to the ORU program through the year. And that is something that you can deduct from your taxes, just like any other charitable giving. If you are interested, I'll say this to our members, if you are interested in giving a flat dollar amount every month, $5, $10, $100, not that I'm saying you have to give $100, of course, but if you are interested in giving more, you can do that very easily by calling our member service number at 321-2024 and requesting that that line item be placed on your bill. On the other side of the coin, if someone is listening right now and thinking, I'm an individual who is in need of help or I'm in an organization that is in need of help, how can they apply to get their application in front of the board? The easiest way to apply is to go online at www.okcoop.org slash ORU. If you are not computer savvy or do not have access to the computer, give me a call. 
Um, you can call our main number, 321-2024, or you can call me directly, 217-6726, area code 405, and we will mail you an application. It's a very simple application, basic info, and we will review your case at the next meeting. What else do you guys have to add to this? What questions haven't I asked, or what else do you want to make sure that our listeners know? I will take, I'll start this one. I, and I'm going to brag about my other board members. Uh, again, we, we are very conscious of the money that we spend. I've, uh, I've gone into many a meeting, uh, confused about a particular request application, uh, maybe unsure of something and somebody on the board has said something or convinced me of, of how I end up voting. I've gone to a couple of these investigations on um, food and shelter is a perfect example there in Norman. They requested to pave part of their um, pavilion area because they, they were having trouble with mud and things of that nature when it rained back when it used to rain. And I think it's raining to my house now. But anyway, uh, one of our uh, board members is skilled in that particular uh, field. And he came out. Now he's from Goldsby, but he came to Norman. He met me. I'm from Newcastle. We went to Norman, and we had a Norman uh, representative there. I stood there and watched them two talk it out, and decided on what how my feelings were at that point because it was uh, a subject I wasn't familiar with. So my deal is to simply brag about my fellow board members. They're good people. They're smart people. They're dedicated people and they do this for free. This is just something they do. That was an interesting case because uh, like Alan said, the foundation uh, helped food and shelter expand their pavilion area. The reason they did that was because due to COVID, food and shelter really needed to encourage more social distancing and they only had so much room. Um, so we helped with that pavilion area so that they could keep the health of their clients in mind and help them social distance. It was a really nice response um, to, to the COVID and something that because of lower donations, a lot of agencies can't just all of a sudden make those changes as they need to. And I would just echo not only the project, but the commitment of the board. I have rarely seen a group of people who are so deeply committed to being good financial stewards of the members' dollars that they're spending, deeply committed to the communities they serve. To your point, Alan and Tori, the board members are people who really understand the community, who really understand the needs of the community, who know the people of the communities that they represent, and who are very willing to give up their time, their talent, and their effort. It is a very impressive group of people and, and people that I feel indebted to for the service that, that you guys are doing to our community, doing for our community and helping us grow. Tori, anything else you would add before we go? Two things. It is, as you said, an honor for me to serve this board. Um, as an employee of OEC, getting to work with these volunteers every day is, is just a joy and an honor and it makes me happy to be surrounded by people that give so much of themselves. And then secondly, the OEC Foundation is always looking for partnerships. Um, we 
build a lot of accessibility ramps for people who have found themselves um, mobily challenged um, in wheelchairs. Uh, so we are always looking for contractors that are willing to come out and give affordable uh, bids to build wheelchair ramps onto homes. We are always looking for people who might be able to help out with roofing or drainage issues. Um, there's all kinds of ways that if you are interested in helping that you can get involved. And again, if you are, please just give me a call and we can discuss ways in which we can get you hooked up. Well, thank you both for not only joining me today, but for your service to the communities that we serve and for making our world just a little bit better. Thank you, Autumn. Thank you. Quick reminder, if you follow us on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. And if you are a Spotify listener, make sure you follow us so you can get all the current information from the current buzz.